All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Buffalo Beat. However, you are listening to us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, or right on the Athletic app, whichever way you do it. Thank you for doing so. And if you haven't yet, please uh, rate and subscribe to our podcast if you would be so kind. But the Bills are now one to know, obviously, and uh, have an opponent on the horizon that perhaps some are overlooking in the New York Giants. Uh, the Bills are favorites heading into the game, which is a road game, which either A, tells you what, sh- what uh, you need to know about what happened in week one to the Giants, or that people are actually kind of thinking highly of the Bills. I tend to think it's the former rather than the latter, but uh, but we're here to talk about it all. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn, who uh, is a fellow Bills writer here at The Athletic with me. Matthew, What uh, when you look at this matchup, what jumps off the page as in terms of Okay, what what the Bills might be looking at here? I think it starts and stops probably with Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's the most, arguably the most explosive running back in football, the most dynamic talent at the position in terms of what he can do, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. And if you can't stop him, then you know you can't stop the Giants' offense because he's basically the whole thing. I mean, Eli Manning isn't the same Eli Manning that he was. I, I also don't think he's a total slappy. Um, I, I don't think he's great, but he is a, a veteran quarterback who knows who knows where he's at in his career and knows uh, where his bread is buttered, and that's with Saquon Barkley. He's going to dump the ball off to him a lot. Um, Evan Ingram will be involved. I think those are their, their main weapons, and, and Eli Manning understands that. He's not as physically... His physical gifts have deteriorated a bit. Uh, not that he was ever ever got by on his physical gifts, but uh, I still think he's, you know, got the wherewithal to to operate this offense. But I don't think it's a particularly scary one outside of those two playmakers. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I mean, you brought up a great point with Eli, and this is going to be something that plays into the Bills' hands a bit here because. You know, when going back and watching that that Dallas game back, he pushed it down the field only a a few times. He didn't really try to push it past, say, 10, 15 yards really at all. And I think that can definitely work into the Bills' hands a bit as to how they attack this offense. Because I, I will say for what the Giants presented themselves at in that game. They still do have some talent on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe not at the skill positions uh, outside of Ingram and Barkley. Like, the wide receiver room is hurting, and they are hurting quite a bit. I mean, Sterling Shepard is currently in concussion protocol. Cody Latimer, their other starting wide receiver from week one, he just popped up with a calf injury and and did not participate in practice on Thursday. Um and then past them, you have, I think, Benny Fowler, uh, oh, there, there's Russell Shepard. Um, I think they're trying to uh, – TJ Jones might be on the roster. I mean, they, they are just not great at all. But outside of that group, I mean, their offensive line is actually really solid, which is w- certainly going to help Saquon Barkley 
try to control this game. And if I had to guess, I think, like you, Barkley is where the Giants are going to try and, I don't know if stealing a game is the right way to say it, but to come back with authority in the way that they didn't in that first game against the Cowboys. I mean, they... I wonder if they think they can they can run on this Bills team because, you know, Levy and Bell had some success as the game kind of wore on, but it's going to take some creative scheming and it's going to take some creative uh, game planning for them to be able to attack the defensive tackles, the defensive ends, and the linebackers for that matter. Yeah, I think the the running game uh, is, is going to put a unique stress on the bill the second level of the bills defense uh, just given what barkley can do once he gets past the second level of the defense he's a home run hitter and uh, if the linebackers can't contain him then it could be a long day in a lot of ways but i think it's going to be interest an interesting test you know it takes a while before you learn how good a team is or or you know how good a defense is and in the Bills' case, they looked like one of the best defenses in football on Sunday. But, you know, Sam Darnold maybe wasn't himself, uh, was just diagnosed with mono today. Um, and, you know, th- it's one game. So this isn't exactly the offense that's going to put you on the map if you slow them down. But it's just another test uh, to go up against the best running back in football, arguably, who seems to produce in every situation and against almost every team he plays against, uh, it would be a, certainly a feather in the cap. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, the one thing that I spotted them doing a few times to the Cowboys that worked fairly effectively is they went and tried to, uh, they, they had, I believe it was their tight end pull to the inside to try and give off the impression that they were, they were running that way, and then they would have their their tackle and guard wall off the the uh, end and um, and linebacker, and kind of keep the keep the Cowboys inside. And then they isolated uh, they isolated Barkley against the cornerback in a one on one, and that is especially with the tackling issues that the Bills had in that game specifically with Levi Wallace, if he's able to play, by the way. Uh, we'll get into that shortly. But when you when you see that sort of thing and that kind of scheming, that's, that's a creative way to go about it. And I think we're going to see quite a bit of that. It's just all to do with how they want to attack this running back and whether or not they want to get aggressive with Jordan Poyer and being down in the box as opposed to a little bit removed from it just so he can kind of see everything that's going on. I think there's a there's a lot of gamesmanship uh for for this matchup and I I don't I don't know that it's going to be a walk in the park like like a lot of people think it's going to be. No, I think you know in the NFL hardly any game is a walk in the park and sometimes that's a a cliche but we I, we may have been talking about this. I mean, if you look at the point spreads of these games week to week very few are 10 plus points and even some of the ones that are i mean look at seattle and cincinnati last week a game you would have thought seattle would i think they had what a nine and a half point spread or something you think 
easy Seattle wins by 10 points. And yet, it's a one-point game. 21-20 at home against the Bengals. Did you watch that game? Who everybody thought was a doormat. I did not. The Bengals, uh, like, threw all over them. It was crazy. Which, you know. they couldn't run. Weird things happen. Uh, And even the worst teams, and I don't think the Giants are like the Dolphins, you know, where the Dolphins look like a complete disaster. But things change so much week to week. And, you know, I, I think that's where... This line is actually being bet towards the Giants. And uh, I think, you know, the the sharp money came in on New York because the real true spread is is a little bit thrown out of whack based on how the Bills came back last week and the, the Giants losing. So um, not to get into, you know, too much of the point spread talk, but sometimes that gives you a hint. And we will, we will be in New Jersey where uh, – People can get in on that sort of thing. Not, who knows? Perhaps we we did a little of it ourselves. Who's to say? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yes, I will not speak an incarnate word about it. <laughs> but we may or may not have dabbled in some of this point spread action ourselves. Oh, uh, that is a that is a way inside joke. Um, all right. The, well, with the point spread, the. The Bills started off as two and a half, and they're now only a point and a half uh, favorites over over the Giants. Uh, we'll we'll circle back to that, but let's let's now discuss the Bills because you know the reason a lot of you are listening, basically all of you, is because you're fans of the Bills and you want to know what what exactly it's going to look like. And you know uh, the Levi Wallace injury today was not exactly an encouraging thing just because I think it also limits their potential flexibility. If he has to miss the game and he was listed as a limited participant, he went down during a uh, one-on-one drill um, uh, against, against Zay Jones and didn't, wasn't like contact or anything. Uh, McDermott said he, he tweaked his ankle. Um, he, he was in pain right away. He immediately grabbed for his leg and brought it brought it in. Tried to walk it off, everything like that. McDermott said he came back to practice at some point, uh, but he also wasn't out there when we were escorted out into the field house when the team was all together. So, you know, we, we just have to see exactly what Friday holds, um, uh, what Friday's practice will hold. But in terms of what his absence could potentially mean is that Kevin Johnson would have to step in to be the outside corner. And I don't know this for certain, but I I saw Kevin Johnson line up at least a few times over the last two days of practice in the nickel spot. Now, might they do like a... Because that nickel position is, is going to be big because likely they're not going to have Taron Johnson in this game. So they're trying to figure out who's going to be the best player there, whether it be Saran Neal, Dean Marlowe, who, who I think will be active this week, or Kevin Johnson. But if Johnson is taken out of the equation, then you're left putting your hopes and dreams on Saran Neal and Dean Marlowe, which isn't exactly encouraging. No, and I think that's where the the stress of the Bills linebackers comes into play because tackling in the secondary could become an issue. And if they have Barkley out on the outside at all, or if he's able to just get to the perimeter or the third level of the defense, 
that's where you could get yourself into trouble. Now, Saran Neal, pretty decent tackler. So, yeah, he is. You know, you kind of want, you know, wonder about having him on the field more as opposed to uh, Kevin Johnson. But if both Wallace and Taron Johnson can't play, then you're in a spot where you probably have to have Kevin Johnson and Saran Neal on the field quite often. And there's also the issue of Evan Ingram. You know, you're talking about the two best playmakers on that team that could, you know, be could benefit from, uh, you know, the injuries that they're dealing with. The the bright side, I guess, being that uh, Sterling Shepard looks like he won't be able to play. Yeah. Uh, but outside, well, of you that, never quite know with concussion protocol. That's right. He you could, never quite. He know. could come off the protocol at any point, basically. But. Yeah, it's not a not an ideal situation. I think they're equipped to deal with it because Kevin Johnson is decent. He's not um he's he's not quite Levi Wallace. There's a reason Levi Wallace went wire to wire winning that job. But I do think Kevin Johnson is about what you can ask for uh, or all you can ask for as a as a depth cornerback. You know, you're not your backup cornerbacks are not going to be starting caliber cornerbacks. That's why they're backups. But I do think he's he's a decent player. Much better than in years past. And if there is a matchup where you are missing out on having Levi Wallace, like let's say best case, well, best case for them is that he would be able to play. But if he has to miss a, miss a game, best case would be that he only has to miss one week. And if that just so happens to be against a giant squad that could potentially only have you know, Benny Fowler um and Russell Shepard and TJ Jones then you know the Bills are going to be like okay whew, got got past that one um but the Ingram point is I'm fascinated by how they're going to defend Evan Ingram because if they do not have either um Shepard Sterling Shepard or Latimer and I do like Latimer to a point. I think he's a really good run blocker, and I think he can make a play down the field. You know, he he did catch a, a deep ball from Eli Manning right at the beginning of the third quarter against the Cowboys. So there is some ability there. Kind of an, kind of an earlier um, draft pick when he was selected by the Broncos. But uh, Engram is is the most fascinating thing here. I just I wonder exactly how they're going to try and do it. The Bills have been pretty good at defending tight ends um since sean mcdermott has come around if i'm not mistaken and when you have engram who's a bit more receiver than he is prototypical tight end it might skew it a little bit i wonder if they're going to try a man-to-man look with him or if they're just going to try to bracket him in coverage with with zone responsibilities now that they don't have to worry about the outsides that would be the way that I would expect them to do it but you never know they might I mean who's to say they don't throw Tredavious White on him because I mean who the heck does Tredavious White have to cover in this game I mean it's not it's not really any any great shakes beyond uh, Evan Ingram the Bills have allowed eight point eight yards per reception to tight ends over the last eight weeks of play and allowed only 3.1 receptions to tight ends last season, second best in the NFL. But Evan Ingram was targeted 14 times uh, last week, and that makes him a, a focal point. And it a lot depends, I think, on how they plan to 
deploy him. If he's going to be uh, out wide more often, then you might see Tredavious White over there. You might see Micah Hyde uh, come up and, and try to cover him. But it does make this Giants offense a little bit simpler to deal with when you say, all right, you know, take away, say, Quan Barkley and Evan Ingram because there's not that much else that can hurt you. The problem with that is Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram aren't easy to take away uh, on their own or, you know, as a as a tandem. So it creates a, a different matchup than if they just had a couple of good receivers because that's easy to kind of decipher. It's like, all right, Tredavious White is going to have to cover this guy and cover him well. Whereas with Ingram and Barkley, there's a lot they can do with them to make it a bit of a chess match between – two coaches who know each other pretty well and, and Pat Shermer and Sean McDermott, both a part of Andy Reid's staff. And um, there's been a bit of jousting as well, yes. which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, hey, it's not an X's and O's. You've, uh, you've already broached it right portion now. So, of the, uh, so by all means blow well, right through well, the I gate. Feel, I feel like we have to bring this up. I mean, it is the, the topic du jour and it's a bit, uh, it's a bit, weird um but pat Shermer said that he was asked about josh allen because the giants did evaluate quarterbacks leading up to the 2018 draft and they didn't take one they took saquon barkley which was a move by gm dave gettleman saying if he had questions about the quarterbacks he was going to take the future hall of fame player pat Shermer in his press conference this week said you know that he evaluate when he evaluated Josh Allen, he thought he was a guy who could be a starter in the league. And when asked to follow up, you know, said kind of doubled down, said he thought he could be a starter in the league. Now, some people took that as a backhanded compliment or a slight of Josh Allen. And um, I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I think that's a pretty standard way of grading a quarterback uh, going into a draft when I was, Talking to Ken Zampezi last week um, for the story I did on quarterbacks entering their their second and third years, um, you know, and I, he evaluated that class as well as the Browns' quarterbacks coach. And when I asked him, he said he evaluated that there were four, you know, potential slash future starters. Uh, that's kind of a grading term, but people took it as a slight on Josh Allen. Then Josh Allen came out and you know said what he had to say, but. The interesting part today was that the tweet from Kim Jones of NFL Network that was quoting Pat Shermer um, was all over the building today. It was on the TVs um, that lined the wall going out to um, the practice field from the weight room. It was in the locker room on the TVs in there where a lot of times they'll have game film or other or schedule. Yeah, the schedule of the or, day. Right. Um, we noticed, and I think we even talked about it on the podcast. I know I wrote about it in the spring. The um, some of the messages that they had uh, on Talk, their, talking about the quote with the crashing yeah, there waves. Was, there yeah. was that was some good. corny quotes and uh, I quite like that one motivational type stuff. But this pops up there, which suggested is bulletin board material or TV board material, whatever you want to call. Does it. Does anyone actually have a bulletin board anymore? I don't know, but. They should. I think we should. I think bring teachers them back. do. Um, oh, you're going to bring back bulletin boards? I, I think bulletin boards are, are useful, uh, useful um, tools. But 
These are essentially modern day bulletin boards. So this is bulletin board material. Sean McDermott was not amused that we had seen this and sort of let the world know that, you know, this is out there and the Bills are using this as motivation. Because when he came over to talk to us today, he was barely touching the subject. It was no comment on Shermer's comment about Josh Allen. And when I asked about, I was like, well, it looks like it's a little bit of bulletin board material for you. And I believe what he said was, I i don't have anything to say about that. And then it was, he stressed that those were internal messages that he usually puts up on those TVs, hinting that those were not for your eyes. Well, um, so... Part of that, I think, is probably that he used to work, like we said, we used to, he used to work with Pat Shermer, and now it's become this thing where he's sort of um, using his quote, giving it more life. I don't know if this would be such a thing if it wasn't um, the New York media. On no, the other absolutely end. not. Because when I first saw the quote, like I said, I didn't think much of it. Um, yeah, the quote is fairly innocuous. I, I mean, thought so, but some just, people don't think so. And apparently the Bills don't. I think the, I think the reason why... Well, let's take the Bills. I can't speak for how fans are feeling, but just because we're around teams quite a bit, the fact that players, um, they just look at the lack of lingo spoken into that and it's like had a chance to be like that's that's like a that's that's not an admission of oh we knew he was going to be a good player or anything it's like it's like oh you know he, he thought we thought he had some potential but it wasn't like a firm like oh yeah josh allen so i mean it's just it's how some teams could get their edge just like oh you're showing disrespect to us i mean i mean sean's probably big into that i mean he just probably doesn't want his team to feel disrespected and and wants to keep that edge going with them he likes to have a little bit of an edge i feel like i should and i'm probably going to tweet this out too because i feel like this is important we also had pat Shermer on a conference call um this week which is standard you know the visiting coach or the opposing coach um does a conference call and mark on of the buffalo news and i were the only two on it which is probably why the quote hasn't been you know widely circulated but when I asked him about Josh Allen, he said, I think he gets better each week. He's And now, you know what's funny is I'm going to tweet this quote out and it's people are going to take a part of it and, and make something of it. But he said, I think he gets better each week. He's obviously a big, strong-armed guy, a big, strong presence. He looks like a guy who could almost play another position because of his physique. And he's won some games and helped his team win games. I remember the game last year against Minnesota away. He helped lead the charge this past week against the Jets. He's making progress. It comes as no surprise. Yeah, I don't think, again, I don't think that little part of it is a slight, but people will perception. probably right. People will probably take right. it that way. Right. But point being, I don't think this guy thinks that Josh Allen is a schmuck, but people seem to want to spin it that way. And the fact that the Bills are using it is kind of amusing to me because, you know, the – the blocking out outside noise and the, you know, not listening to what, you know, it's what all NFL teams say is we're focused on what's going on in our building and we're not worried about what's going on over there and all that. And here it is, uh, NFL network tweet up on their, up on their board. And, uh, I think like you said, they'll use any little thing to get an edge. Sure. But yeah. McDermott would not have used any little thing to get an edge if he knew that everybody would know he was using it as an edge. I think that's a, yeah one of those 
the the key difference there. And uh, there was uh, a little bit of a little bit of frustration today, but none of this is going to impact the game. But this is we are in a sports are not you know people say oh who cares about this tweet well who cares about these games you know what i mean it, it, sports are entertainment, entertainment they're, yeah. they're fluff they're a diversion and that's all this is this is a a quote from a boxer before a fight this is you know the little things that that add intrigue uh and um the little things that sean mcdermott does not want. intrigue is not something that sean mcdermott likes no um in regards to who the tweet was about Josh Allen and what he will be going up against in this game uh, against, against the giants. They, um, I don't think they looked particularly good defensively. Uh, and I think that's probably putting it kindly. They, their cornerbacks aren't great um, outside of Janoris Jenkins and, and he'll shadow he'll likely shadow John Brown I think because he followed uh Cooper a lot of the time against the Cowboys but outside of him they've got number 30 Hamilton they've got DeAndre Baker who they just drafted neither of them looked that great in the first game um they they don't have a pass rush worth anything I think I saw Evan Silva of Establish the Run say that um they only got pressure on Dak Prescott once out of 32 drop packs which is awful it in the grand scheme so I I think there is a lot of advantages there for for the Bills in this game and I, I think this could wind up being one of those one of those opponents where we see a lot of three wide receiver to keep their big three defensive linemen off of the field. And then I could see Zay Jones having a, a substantially good game. He's had a really good week of practice so far um, on Wednesday and Thursday. He's he's buzzing from his performance, specifically as a run blocker uh, against the Jets. And I, I think I think his confidence is at a, as at, at a high point right now. So I wonder if maybe him and Cole Beasley could be the focal points of this game from a passing perspective. And of course, you know, Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, all the rest. But Josh Allen is the focal point here because will he be able to spread the ball around effectively enough where there are advantages to be had? Yeah, that giant secondary is a complete mess. And I think, you know, if you head over to the athletics giants uh, section, Dan Duggan and uh, Jeff Schwartz did a a breakdown of what went wrong and even Jeff Schwartz who played in the league forever couldn't figure out what the hell the Giants were doing uh, in coverage a few times. So it's an opportunity to build on what they did last week in the fourth quarter. And one that, you know, every game means something in the NFL. And to me, this one is about can this team, can this offense take advantage of an inferior opponent? And I think that's an important part to making the making the playoffs. It's an important part to making the jump from being uh, a team that wins eight or nine games and a team that wins ten or eleven is taking care of business in games that uh, you know are there to be to be had. And I think this defense, to your point, is is one that they are matched up, well suited to to beat and to take advantage of. So um, we'll see what what Brian Dayball has in store. I thought he did a 
pretty good job last week. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see if they go with more play action passing. They literally did not do play action. Dallas runs. did it a ton and it creamed the Giants. It was I have the numbers here um, because I was looking this up before uh, for something I'm writing tomorrow. The Cowboys were had a 158.3 passer rating on play action passes, 207 yards and three touchdowns, completed 93% of their passes, four big plays uh, of 20 plus yards off off of play action. The Bills were one of two teams in the NFL that did not attempt a play action pass last week, which is weird. Probably by design. Maybe, but I don't think that's a smart design, quite frankly. I feel like play action is uh, the most underutilized weapon in in football. Well, it was probably a a matchup-based thing, which is probably why they didn't do it, because if they're going play action uh, uh, against a really good Jets front and inside of their their defense, then I guess you're not really scaring them too much because they're you they probably know that you're not going to run it straight into the gullet there which the bills really didn't do all that much of so uh, i i i'd bet we we see it uh quite a bit against i the should Giants. hope i feel yeah. like that's a trend that needs to change because uh it's you look at these numbers uh the ravens threw three touchdowns off of play action last week they threw a lot of touchdowns period um you look at there's not a lot of teams that struggle uh, on play action when given a big sample size. It's a it's a weapon. Even if um, and Ben Baldwin of the Athletic did a substantial look at this earlier in the off season about how you don't even need to be good at running the football for play action to work because the simple threat of a running play can create uh, you know some uncertainty. Uh, regardless of whether you're good at running the ball or not. so And when you have a quarterback who is a running threat on his own, I think it adds to it. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, presumably it, it's one game, so I don't want to nitpick Brian Dable, who I thought had a pretty good week. But um, that's something to to look out for on Sunday, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. All right, so let's get into a little prediction. Um, the Bills... One and a half point favorites at at time of recording this podcast, which is uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, And uh, I think I went into watching the Giants film thinking to myself, all right, uh, the Giants can't be this bad, right? Like they're going to be at home. It's probably going to be a tough game. And I still think it's going to be a tough game. But after watching them, and seeing the specific weaknesses they had and how they could potentially match up with the Bills, I think it would be a uh, quite a disappointment if the Bills didn't come away with a victory in this game. I think they they have a superior team in terms of talent. I mean, there's obviously outliers, which are Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Janoris Jenkins, and I think their defense, their offensive line is really good too. Outside of the center, Halapia, which might be somebody to attack, but outside of those guys. I think uh, I think the defense is ripe for the picking, and if Josh Allen has a comeback down game, then that's that's going to be a, a huge disappointment for for the Bills, especially with what he did in the fourth quarter. So I'm taking the Bills in both avenues here. I, I think the Bills uh, 
cover, and I think they win at MetLife for two weeks in a row. Yeah, I think it would be uh, needlessly pessimistic to suggest that they would lose because they're the better team. And I, I think it's always possible. Uh, like you said, there's um, scenarios, albeit disappointing ones. The Titans uh, beat the Browns. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, the Titans, that one is a little less uh, I agree, but weird. I think Giants, Bills, Titans, Browns are kind of in the same vein here. Titans have won nine games, though. They've been like no, a good team. I, I get uh, it. And the Browns have been a train wreck um, until proven otherwise. But to your point, a game, public perception is that it's very one-sided and things can go the other way. I think of that Bengals-Seahawks game, the one-point game, and a lot of people thought that was, myself included, thought that would be a blowout uh, for the Seahawks. So weird things happen in this league, and uh, I don't like to necessarily it's hard to predict when they're going to happen so i'm not going to i'm going to say the bills win this game i'll say they win it 24 to 20 i think it'll be reasonably close but i do think they cover the spread all right so the bills will be up against the giants at metlife stadium for the second week in a row we're getting cozy with the press box up in there at uh metlife in east rutherford new jersey all right so for matthew fairburn my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you all for listening to this version of the Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, please rate and subscribe uh, to our podcast and also subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't yet for our podcast, uh, for our uh, athletic-only podcast that we do each and every Thursday. We just did one with, with Tim Graham talking about his story he just did on Terry Pagula. Some really interesting stuff there. So, uh, so yeah, by all means, get in on that as well. All right, so uh, the next time we will speak with you will be after the game between the Bills and Giants, and we'll find out if the Bills can go 2-0 to start 2019. Take care.